You're listening to Once, episode 115, Nasty Habits. Welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We're so happy to have you joining us as we discuss the episode called Nasty Habits from Once Upon a Time. We've got your feedback. We've got some great thoughts and some sound clips to share with you. Let's jump into this. This episode has, again, Enchanted Forest flashbacks and the Neverland and the the Enchanted Forest flashbacks, I feel like this is another one of those things that in some way filled in a hole that we didn't think was there and weren't asking these questions. But yet it did bring in Pied Piper, which was a character that we had theorized before might be Rumpelstiltskin, but turned out, of course, not to be. I I like that they showed us a little bit more of Peter Pan's background with yeah. Rumpelstiltskin. I enjoyed all of it. it. It was really like they told the main two stories in the same world, which is a little unusual for this show because they finally have enough trees to separate people or something. I don't know. But yeah, I thought the, it was, it was cool because the flashbacks were not just character development. They were also plot development in that they provide the background of, not just Rumple and Pan, but also the Lost Boys. Mm. One thing that did sort of distract me was something that they really couldn't help. Um, like the the past Enchanted Forest thing with Bay and his dad. <laughs> Bay was definitely older than he was when he fell through the portal. Yeah. That was the one thing that distracted me in this episode. I know they couldn't help mm-hmm. it, but it was distracting. Yeah, taller. Too. They could have done yeah. some camera angles to maybe make him look a little bit shorter, have right. him walking around on his knees. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that we talked a little bit about before was how did Neil know about Rumpelstiltskin's castle? Because they were in that little hovel when Neil fell through the magic bean hole. And so how did he know about the castle to know, oh, let's just go check my dad's castle a few episodes ago. And it was in this episode that Rumpelstiltskin said, how about I build you a castle? I wonder if maybe he did actually build a castle. But before Bay went through the bean hole, Bay just refused to live in the castle. That's possible. Mm-hmm. And then that would explain how he knew it existed. There would be a huge gap between that uh, lunch that he had showing his son the dagger and his son saying, what if there is magic if I can, you know, their whole deal and actually falling through the bean hole. Yeah. So that would that would that would be a huge gap. That could be. An interesting reference with the hovel and castle thing came in from our listener Karen and Karen said as a reference to the fairy t- to a fairy tale called The Fisherman and His Wife. And as soon as she said this, I realized, yes, this is a perfect connection especially after listening to Operation Cobra podcast over the summer, which if you haven't listened to Operation Cobra podcast summer episodes, you got to go listen to them. They're a lot of fun. They got a bunch of people together and dramatized 
some of the lesser known grim huh. fairy tales. And that's what they called the series. And one of them was this one, The Fisherman and His Wife. <laughs> and it's a great dramatization with some sound effects and really cool stuff too. But uh, she explains here in her message, the scene when Rumpel and Bay are talking in their hovel reminded me of that story. Bay wants to leave and Rumpel says that he could build a castle and that thought led to the story of the fisherman and his wife. They were living in a hovel and the fisherman found a talking flounder and the flounder asked the fisherman to take him back to the water and he did. He went back to the hovel and told his wife about what happened. She said he's magical, wanted the, the fisherman to then go ask to get a castle and they did, and they kept wanting more and more until they went back to square one. And uh, she gave us a link as well to, to some more information. But yeah, the fisherman and his wife, it's the wife is just so demanding. She's the one that just wants more and more and more. It's so much so that she gets, I think the, the pinnacle of her request was the power to make the sun rise and set. Wow. And at some point, the fish had just had enough and said, go back home to your hovel and you'll find your <laughs> wife there after all of this big stuff, which the connection here with this that Karen brought up, I think makes me wonder if we're going to see Rumpelstiltskin and Neil back in their hovel at some point. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Maybe. Like after all of this, Rumpelstiltskin will learn his lesson. He'll be just regular Rumpelstiltskin again. And they can be a family. Uh, you're thinking about the end of the show. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah, at some point. It's got to happen sometime. Now, the Pied Piper from the town of Hamlin, uh, which I love that Rumpelstiltskin called it a rat hole of a town, because that is the name of the town from the actual Pied Piper story. We got to see Peter Pan and Rumpel meet again. Mm-hmm. Many years later, Peter Pan called him Laddie, and he said it, it had been a long time. Well, and he also said, look who's all grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently he hasn't seen him as an adult. Do you know, I had a thought. I thought, what if Peter Pan is Rumpelstiltskin's dad? Because there was nothing, there was nothing that Rumpelstiltskin said about him that made me think... That he was just a childhood friend. I mean, it could mean either. Um, The thing that he did say was, I've known him since I was a boy. We were incredibly close. He betrayed me. He fooled me for a long time. Mm. And that that led me immediately to think, well, he's a childhood friend. However, Peter Pan's not really old enough to have a son, so. Unless somebody turned back the clock on him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, it wouldn't have been Rumpelstiltskin, though, No, to turn back the clock. Oh, okay. We received a similar idea from Emily, basically this, saying the same thing. What if, and she called it, she actually labeled it a crack theory, but what if Peter Pan is Rumpel's father? And we theorized this a couple times before as well. It's, I, I thought that because he was calling him Laddie. Yeah, but he did say, your father abandoned you. But then again, it could be just one of those sort of things taunting. where he's like, uh, like Dark, Darth Vader killed your father. Yes. When actually yeah. Darth Vader is your father, but mm. it's just the guy that was your father once <laughs> was killed. Kind of like the, the evil queen. Thing. I mean, the queen is gone. The evil queen now lives. Yeah. Long live mm. the evil queen. 
Yeah, although I kind of think we could probably take that bit at face value. So I'm going to say probably not, but it could be, I suppose. But with the hinting of a further background to Peter Pan and Rumpelstiltskin, right. I'm thinking we'll get to see that further background this season very soon within the next few episodes before they hit this December um, hiatus and the, the winter hiatus. Mm-hmm. Another thing that made me think that Pan might be Rumpelstiltskin's dad was when it was just Henry, Neil, Rumpelstiltskin, and Pan. Pan said, well, this is a real family reunion. Hmm. Well, isn't this a, you know, hmm. a real family reunion? Just <laughs> chew on that for a little yeah. while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do have grandfather, son, and grandson. It's four generations right together. there. If it's true. It, yeah. If it's, Yeah. Could be. But the more popular theory is that maybe they're brothers. Although I wouldn't say there was any language used to indicate that they were brothers, but probably more some kind of friend in in some way with each other. One idea came in from Nat saying, thinking about this episode, Nasty Habits, I started to wonder about the previous relationship between Rumple and Pan and I think they're going to tell the Prince and the Popper story with this. Rumple and Pan are initially friends, with Rumple taking the place of the Prince because of the doll. And Pan, the Popper, who is constantly mistreated by Rumple's father. Rumple, with fear of going against his father, doesn't didn't do or say anything, which causes Pan to grow angrier and angrier with Rumple. It would be cool if they tie that in in some way but i kind of want to see something a bit more than just another fairy tale connection but something else that's some deeper connection than that there has to be some way that pan got to neverland in the first place right because rumple did say he went to neverland Mm -hmm. not was taken but like he had some kind of choice or was sent there right One of the interesting things that came out from their conversation around the campfire, and and here's the interesting thing to keep in mind with the flashbacks, is we saw basically three scenes in the flashback. In the hovel, well, in the village a little bit, around the campfire, Mm -hmm. and back in the hovel. That was pretty much all that took place in the Enchanted Forest. But around that campfire, with everybody dancing around, they were talking about... (laughs) Singing, what does the fox say? (laughs) They were talking about dreams and Neverland, and Pan had said that boys could only go there up until this point. They could only go there in their dreams. Mm -hmm. And we got this interesting feedback from Julia saying, in the original novel, as well as the play version of Peter Pan, it is said that Neverland is found in the minds of children. This means that Neverland could change per child, which is why I think Peter Pan needs Henry, since Henry has the heart of the truest believer. His imagination runs wild, like Rumpel said it does in Neverland. So Peter Pan could potentially use Henry's imagination to conjure whatever it is that he wants. Perhaps children who visited in their dreams were not unlike the visions of Belle. Hmm. We've seen talking to Rumpel. Hmm. But he wasn't dreaming, though. He wasn't. You think she was? But she could have been. You know, that whole thing just made me feel uncomfortable because I was thinking 
she's not really there. Is she really saying all this as Belle, or is she just saying this out of Stiltskin's imagination, since that's where she's coming from? That could make sense. She's visiting him in her sleep. Yeah, so that could be an actual... Um, but he told her to go away that one time. Well, yeah, but if you're in a dream, in a dream world, and someone tells you to go away, <laughs> sometimes you do go away. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. it could be that he's just thinking it's something that he conjured up when it is really bell dreaming this and so if we ever do get to see storybrook which i'm sure we will i just don't know when but Mm -hmm. when we get to see storybrook again i wonder if we're going to see bell have these dreams and wake up from them and realize the struggle rumple is going through Mm. interesting it's kind of like a a two-way mirror where only one person realizes or only one person can see on both sides but I also wonder, uh, on the, the flip side of things here, if children could go to Neverland in their dreams, when they got there, remember what Wendy said? During nighttime, when they should be dreaming, what were they doing instead of They're dreaming? Crying. Missing their families. Mm. Yeah. So it, it's kind of flipped once they get there, then when they dream, it's like nightmares or it's sorrowful to them just turning it around that's odd because that changes the whole pan and wendy story if there were only lost boys if there weren't any lost boys that's really odd because timeline wise when she visited there would be no lost boys well time works differently in neverland so between when pan came and started picking up boys there with the pipe as the Pied Piper, which was probably the first time that Pan started collecting the lost boys because he said up until this point, it's only been them visiting in their dreams. So now he's taking back some friends with him. So now is when they started collecting the lost boys. And this is before Bay went to London. So it- And before Rebel Stiltskin built him a castle yeah so this could be a few months this could be a year but in neverland time this could be years of neverland time Hmm. or even if yeah Hmm. interesting speaking of all that it also occurred to me that when we saw bay get dumped on the beach in neverland and they pulled out the picture of henry to compare that would not have been the first time that he met pan because he met him in the Enchanted Forest first. That's right. True. In this episode. Yeah. That's yeah. before, obviously, before he left the Enchanted Forest through the beanhole, before he went to whatever London that was and met the Darlings, and before he got taken by the Shadow. Hmm. Maybe that's part of why he knew the Shadow would be bad, is because he then accepted the idea that Pan is bad, Neverland is bad, or maybe... He didn't know when Pan was the Pied Piper. Maybe mm-hmm. they did not know that Pan wanted to go to Neverland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think Neverland ever came up. And there wasn't really much, if any, magic involved, obviously, in that situation. So Bay just thought, Shadow is magic, magic is bad. 
because of his father. I'm so confused. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it on the timeline. <laughs> Hope pointed out something interesting here. Is this the first time Rumpel hasn't made a deal? Thinking back on the rest of the show, I think this is the first time we really see Rumpel refuse to make a deal with someone. It really shows his insecurities when it comes to Balefire. It calls back to the scene where Rumpel lets Bay fall into the portal. This is the groundwork for that scene. Also, I think Pan is somehow related to Rumpel. Before season three, I was thinking he could be Rumpel's lost father, but now I'm wondering if Pan might be his brother. Pan looks like he, well, it, it looks like he frightens Rumpelstiltskin. Did you get that? Yeah. When mm-hmm. Rumpelstiltskin saw that it was Pan playing the the uh, flute, he looked frightened. And he did say to Bay later back in the hovel that Pan had betrayed Rumpel, which that's more than just he was a mean guy. But in some way, Rumpel trusted him. They grew up together. They said that they grew up together. Well, if they are the prince and the pauper, maybe maybe Rumpelstiltskin was the prince and Pan was the pauper. Yeah, that's what... That's what she said. Uh, that's what someone... It was... Uh, yeah, one of them. Okay. Nat. That's what Nat had suggested. He said. Got yeah. it. Or it could okay. have been the other way around. Maybe Rumpel was the pauper and Peter was the prince. I doubt it, seeing as... Rubble Stiltskin lives in a hovel. Well, anything else to talk about with Enchanted Forest before we move on to Neverland? <laughs> Aliascape in the chat room <laughs> pointed out something really good, actually. She said, personally, I think it's stupid to present your kid with a choice if they'd like to go home with a kidnapper or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's <true>. great. <laughs> it's true. This has kind of been set up a little bit as a straw man argument because... It has nothing to do with fear and insecurity to be like, no, my boy's coming home with me and just take him home. That's how it should have gone, especially since Bay should have appeared much younger than he did from what we know of his age. Well, yeah. But I think that the the fact that he would have chosen to stay with Rumpel is really good, but... Oh, so painful that Rumpel didn't give him that chance. I suppose. To make that choice between the kidnapper and his family. Nah, I suppose. He's not really old enough to decide that. Well, I'd like to thank a few people who have helped make this episode of Once Podcast possible. Dina81, David Newland, and Steve have all donated to this episode of Once Podcast. We really appreciate your support. And all three of these are subscribers, so they have signed up to automatically donate a certain amount every single month. And you can donate either a one-time donation or a regular monthly donation of any amount, and it's greatly appreciated because it does cost quite a bit to host this podcast and the website and everything. So we really appreciate the support, Dina81, David Newland, and Steve. Thank you so much. And if you would like to donate to support an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. The one other way I'd like to ask you to help us out is the podcast awards are opening for voting very, very soon. We'll find out 
on Sunday night, October 27th, what podcast made it into the finalists for the voting. And unfortunately, that's right when we'll be doing our live initial reactions for the Once Upon a Time episode that airs. So we won't get to see what podcasts are in the voting. But please, as soon as you find out, get ready to start voting on November 1st. And it is a daily thing. So you need to go back every day and vote for your favorite podcast. And we'll let you know which of our podcasts make it into the finalists by then and show you another video. But you can sign up for a daily reminder or just get the latest news about the podcast awards and how you can vote for us by going to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. Now let's journey by dream into Neverland. <laughs> the first thing I thought was interesting is that Felix said to Neil that Pan, that Neil knew Pan was looking for the heart of the truest believer. Right. And there was something else said in this episode about Pan having taught Neil something that I'm wondering now how much time did Neil or Bay actually back then spend with Peter Pan and how much time did he spend hidden in his cave and what might have happened there between them? Right. I guess he didn't spend that much time on the ship. Yeah. (laughs) Not a whole lot of time, unless there was maybe for some amount of time when Bay got off the island onto the ship and then maybe went back and forth. Maybe he was May. like a liaison. I don't think he Hook. wanted to go back to Hook. Probably. Yeah, so he must have spent time with the Lost Boys and then he must have escaped at some point to his cave or he just sort of kept the cave secret. Yeah. Yeah. Could be either way. But apparently he's tried to shoot Pan at some point. So he spent at least enough time to do that. Well, Henry's <laughs> hasn't been there very long, and he tried to shoot Pan already. Everybody tries to shoot Pan. It's it's one of the games. <laughs> Isn't it exhilarating? <laughs> In the dark on the pan. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just love this quote. I'm not going to talk about it, but I just want to play this because I love it. You may have grown up, Belfire, but it would appear you have grown up stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Felix seems to have some rank over the rest of the boys. Oh, he's rank, all right. Yeah, he seems like the first officer or first man or whatever. He doesn't have to dance when all the other boys have to dance. Or he's just really (laughs) mad. And it just, it seems like they have to dance. Like Felix doesn't have to dance. (laughs) Number one, (laughs) you've earned the right not to dance. Well, it just seems like they're kind of under a spell, and Felix doesn't have to be under that spell. Yeah. And Henry had to dance. Well, and and we've got some interesting theories about that, but we'll get into that at the end of the episode. But yeah, Felix does seem like quite different from all the other Lost Boys. He does. I wonder if Pan has given Felix a bit more freedom. Like that Felix is not affected by some of these certain enchantment enchantments that Pan puts on other people. Maybe Felix has gotten his shadow removed. <laughs> so the the dancing thing is in the shadow. <laughs> so he's lost his dancing thing. Well, Dance, shadow. <laughs> dancing does come from the soul and the shadow is kind of like the soul. All dancing comes at a price. <laughs> 
I'm just saying, I, I don't expect to see Felix with a shadow. Oh. I'll be extremely surprised if he has his shadow still attached. Hmm, interesting. Maybe his shadow does all the dancing. <laughs> and in case anyone was wondering, in the case of the Lost Boys, the price of dancing is dignity. Yeah. Just saying. Rumpelstiltskin started preparing for war by putting this war paint on him. And I did a little research on American... Uh, Native American war paint designs. Of course you did. And I <laughs> I couldn't really find anything about just the three stripes like that, but I did find something about color. And the color oh. black in a war paint, very interesting. This comes from the site warpaths2peacepipes.com. And I'll have a link in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 115. But it says, black was perceived as a living color and worn on the face to prepare for war. Very aggressive color. Black meant strength. It might also indicate that the wearer was a powerful warrior who had proved himself in battle. Black was also used to symbolize victory and might be applied before returning home to the camp. Hmm. So they take their war paint in their pockets, and if they win, they go ahead and dab it on, and then they can gloat to all their friends and their family when they get back <laughs> and eventually they just started taking professional face painters with them and they started getting like butterflies and stuff and then they just decided to skip the whole thing later yeah the only thing i could find somewhat close to the three stripes that rumple painted is if there's a handprint, uh, a, a face paint handprint, <laughs> then it signified an expert in hand-to-hand combat like sauron but i can't <laughs> I can't quite see that applying to Rumpel because he used magic for combat, not hand-to-hand. Well, you know, I think it's just a mask. I think he was trying to communicate all those things because I think think he was trying to psych himself up and prepare himself to do these things. He needs to become the monster that he once was. Yeah. He's like, the land without magic did wonders for my skin, but believe you me, I am still terrifying. (laughs) I need the monster now. It's the only way I can save him. And that's when I've decided I'm going to save Henry. I think his resolve is pretty weak. And I think he's doing everything he can to just find it in himself to be brave and to do what he needs to. Because Hmm. this is like this. if, If he does what he wants to do, which is give himself up for Henry, then that'll be like the first. Well, Maybe not the first, but it'll be one of few selfless acts he's ever done in his life. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where the whole name of this episode comes from. Nasty habits of his whole self-centeredness and everything. But that is so understating what he does to call it a nasty habit. Yeah. Let's be honest. I kind of didn't think his resolve seemed too weak when he was ready to kill his not son. (laughs) I think he's just crazy. I think he was just... Crazy. crazy. He just had a moment of insanity. Well, and he had already been seeing Belle as visions and not conjured up visions. And he was at first thinking that that's what Bay was. And yeah, he he was just ready to go at it undistracted. But yet he has this resolve that I think he, he was, at least at the beginning of this episode, was interested in truly saving Henry. And in being redeemed. Because he even said that's how he sees it being possible to redeem his, himself because he has nothing else to live for. And he wants to make this one last effort to redeem himself, knowing that it will probably cost his life. 
And then that way he won't have to face everything else that all of the other mess that he's made in his life. Do you think he's, um, when, when Bell was talking about his mask, um, do you think the gold skin and everything was something you had to put on before? Well, the original dark one had it. Yeah, but it, it doesn't, it in no way indicates that the dark one, that dark one did put it on or did put it on somehow. We saw it kind of recede when Bell kissed him yeah, in the of. past and then it came back when he pulled away from her. Right. Maybe it's something that he sort of acquired. Like it didn't actually come with being the dark one. Maybe it was something that had to be acquired. Yeah. Well, and then again, the original dark one could put it on and take it off mm-hmm. because back in that episode, mm. Desperate Souls, the eighth episode of the first season, we first met that guy who said, I'll be your benefactor. And, you know, you have to find a different path. <laughs> Flashback to those episodes. Yeah. That was season one. Yeah. Eighth episode. Ninth, <laughs> I think ninth podcast episode where we wow. talked about that. Wow. We like quotes where people say one word strangely. <laughs> <laughs> but way back then that guy could change his appearance back and forth. And we have no idea how long that guy was the dark one. Yeah. And we've, we've been seeing Rumpelstiltskin. We've seen Rumpelstiltskin kind of acquire new abilities. Like, like we saw when he was learning how to spin straw into gold. So it wouldn't surprise me that acquiring golden skin that probably comes with some other powers that it, like it's it's not completely cosmetic. <laughs> Maybe there's something else appealing about having gold skin. Maybe it's, there's abilities. There are abilities that come with having it. So maybe that's something that the two dark ones we've met have in common. They both wanted this ability, and it just so happened to come with golden skin. I have a crackpot theory. Yes, that dark one was Rumples and or Pan's father. Hmm. Don't you think he would have recognized him? I don't know. Depends yeah. on how old he was when he left. I think he would have recognized. Oh. He remembered his father leaving. He remembered receiving the doll from his father. So True. he'd probably remember what his father looks like. But his face might have been fuzzy after so long if he was a very small child. Maybe. Maybe. I said it was a crackpot theory. Still yeah. a theory. <laughs> Definitely a crackpot theory. Hmm. So, Do you think um, Bell... Is I'm wanting to think Belle is completely in his imagination, and she's just evidence of like she's kind of the um she's kind of just the idea and oh what's the word I'm searching for just Figment? completely conjured up by him yeah basically. like yeah like that we shall call her Figment and, Belle. and she's kind of feeding him all the ideas from his better judgment. So she's kind of a symbol of his, his better judgment. Yeah, his conscience or his yeah. better judgment. And she's not actually there. Maybe she's just there to, you know, for something that comforts Rumpelstiltskin, so he conjures her up, sort of. I think it could be a little bit of both of that and maybe, I like this idea of maybe Belle is actually entering Neverland through her dreams. So it is real bell. I mean, not like real in the flesh bell. <laughs> that makes Belle's me uncomfortable. 
<laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. I hope it. I hope it's not another dream thing. I really <laughs> well, at least don't. They're not in a burning red room. Well, I just I want it to be. I want it to be, you know, completely of Rumble, and it's just she's there because Rumble needs her, and he needs encouragement from her, and it. She's completely mm-hmm. in his head, and we're just seeing what's going on in his head. Mm-hmm. So she's basically just feeding him the ideas that are already there, but it's comforting coming from her, I guess. Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't want it to be a sleep thing. The conversation was kind of weird anyway, because first he says, you are the only one who could see through the mask. And then just a few sentences later, he says, in time, you'd see the monster. Like, okay. We've already been through this. So which is the mask? Maybe he doesn't know. Like, Why are you saying this? Supposedly, she sees you through the monster, but you're saying eventually she'd see through you and see the monster. And you're just being fearful and overdramatic. It's an issue of what is his real self. He believes his real self is the monster. Bell believes his real self is behind the monster. So they agree. I mean, they disagree about what the real self is. Maybe he just, it's like a horror film where he just keeps taking off one mask after the other. And there's just another mask (laughs) underneath all the time. See, if that were the real Bell, she would be, she would totally be arguing with him and telling him, no, you are, you are so wrong. This you're not a monster and I wouldn't leave you. But since she didn't, it makes me think that it, it's all in Rumpelstiltskin's head. She's mm-hmm. not really there. Hopefully we'll find out soon. I hope like, so. By seeing her. <laughs> Let's move on to the Neverland Five that are journeying <laughs> around with Tinkerbell's help or short-lived help. <laughs> one of the things that we learned is that no one can leave Neverland unless pan allows it even hook now here's the interesting thing is that hook left neverland after balefire left because hook knew that balefire left by some other means yes hook needed magic in order to create a portal so that makes me think any kind of portal would allow them to leave but the problem is there's just not the ability to create a portal in neverland Mm, maybe unless you get the magic from pan or Little Mr. In Tune with Every Grain of Sand can control where magic is used. That's a good idea. Or at least certain kinds of magic. Because what would prevent them from bringing magic beans with them? Say they hadn't mostly been destroyed. They could have tons of magic beans. Well, yeah, but they don't. But they could. Just remember, there are lots of beans that are unaccounted for. Yeah, we just have no True. idea where they are. Yeah. So if maybe can, Pan's got them all. If he can really prevent people from leaving, then that would suggest that he can prevent portals from forming. If it's really, if he really has that much control. Now, Pan does have some way to travel between worlds because in the flashbacks, Pan was in Neverland. Mm-hmm. He said it was lonely there, so he came to our world as the Pied Piper, or not our world, but he came to the Enchanted Forest as the Pied Piper, and then he went back to Neverland. I wonder if he can still travel between worlds. He can fly. I bet he can. I bet he can. He's Peter Pan. I bet he can. <laughs> you know what? Um, I wonder what, what uh, deal Hook made with Pan. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I, I think we mentioned this, I think, in our initial reactions of maybe the deal was, hey, I'll go kill the Dark One. 
And Pan was like, oh, hey, yeah, I'd love that too. But then again, Hook said a deal that Pan would not be ready to make again. Yeah. So that makes it sound like it's not some kind of one-time deal. Hmm. I'll have to think about that longer. Yeah. It, it can... I thought it was like a one-time deal. Well, I mean, one time as in... He makes it sound like it was costly to Pan. Yeah. Like Pan is the one who's not willing to make the deal again. Not that it's a deal that Hook can just walk up to Pan and say, hey, I'm still willing to kill the Dark One if you'll let me leave. How about we do the <laughs> same deal again that we made a while ago? If that's what the deal was. Which yeah, that could be Now I'm too. thinking it wasn't. To me, it sounded like it was a great favor of Pan, for, like a favor from Pan for Hook to leave. Mm-hmm. So maybe Hook just doesn't feel like he's in Pan's good graces right now. Yeah, could be. I think it still goes back to some kind of game that they played mm-hmm. and they had some deal. And he's a sore loser, Pan? Yeah, possibly. But the deal was that if he lost this game with Hook, that then Hook would be able to leave. And that's the deal they that's had. That's an interesting Because one. remember in a couple episodes ago, Pan said to Hook, I expected more from you, especially you, Captain. As if he's seen more from Captain Hook. Mm-hmm. More skill, more tact, more strategy, more whatever. Mm. So I'm thinking, it, and with Pan's love of games, I'm thinking it was some game or something like that, a puzzle, a riddle, and Hook won. And that's the thing that he knows that Pan would not be willing to play such a game again with Hook because he knows maybe Hook can win this game again and again and again. Do you think Pan ever stops playing games <laughs> no <laughs> everything seems like a game to him really yeah he's a child yeah sort of i'm super glad that they established the end of greg and tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> so is regina what was left of him yeah so there goes my theory of greg's shadow would fly in to save the day well so they didn't say that the end of his shadow that mm. it was the end of his shadow you still could see his shadow but Clearly, there's no more of Greg, but the can, person. Can the shadow still survive if there is no body? We'll find out. Hopefully that's not the solution to the whole darn thing. It's just Greg's shadow looking for redemption, and he does something. <laughs> and they're like, oh, look, it'll be Greg's a com- shadow came back and got us out of that impossible situation. That's Ma- wonderful. Maybe it'll be a completely silent episode. <laughs> we get to see the story of the shadow. <laughs> His shadow could fly them home. Greg's <laughs> shadow and the shadow and Rumpelstiltskin's shadow all walk mm-hmm. into a bar. And Felix's and shadow. And they just fly right through it and they say, I didn't see it either. <laughs> har har. Wow. Bad joke. That's joke number 37. <laughs> Bad joke number 37? Yeah. When Bay and Rumpelstiltskin start working together and we got to see the squid... I wonder if that was the same kind of shell that the mermaid had used it in sounded, some way. It sounded like But it. I think the mermaid talked into the pointy end of the shell, not into the <laughs> big open end of the shell. Yeah. Well, she talked. I mean, not talk. Blue. But, yeah. Blue into the pointy you end. Yes, I was really hoping he would summon some mermaids, and the mermaids would show them a portal, and they would just, that would be their way off the island. Or the mermaids would go get the squid ink. Yeah. Because that's what Well, we... no, I wasn't even thinking about squid ink. I was thinking, 
Who does? The mermaids need to have a portal that nobody knows about. Well, I mean, the, the, what we knew of Squid Ink before this was that only mermaids and Rumpelstiltskin could get it. But apparently, it's not just a matter of catching a squid. It's a matter of Extracting only, the yeah, the mermaids can you get it out? and Rumpel can extract <laughs> it. Well, they had to give Rumpel something to do. Yeah, how did... Especially how did, after giving him the line... What do we need the ocean to talk to us for? Whatever he said. <laughs> How did little... Neil get it out the first time when he was Balefire as a boy? Because it looked like he had experience. Maybe, Maybe it was a dirty mermaids. job and he didn't want to do it. Maybe, yeah, the mermaids. Maybe he befriended the mermaids in some way. He convinced they a got mermaid it. not to slap him with her tail. I still think it would have been a cool idea for them to make it so that he got out through a mermaid and not by tricking Pan or anything. I liked Rumpelstiltskin's little thing. Yeah, I have, I've had some experience with it. <laughs> the <sighs> stuff that captured the Dark One. And we saw it happen again later on. Emma, 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 we Emma, saw Emma, it Emma. capture <laughs> Peter Pan. So we do know that for sure Squid Ink does actually work and does actually imprison the most powerful of magical creatures that's what neil said i bet you it does take magic to get it out because you can't touch it so maybe you just had to like wave his hand and get the squid ink out of the squid (laughs) what do you think is going to happen with david because hook is seems genuinely concerned about david i'm so upset with him right now i just am with that who hook or david charming okay because he won't tell his family and he won't get help well he's just being an idiot he he's actually thinking about others right now well yeah but they they could come up with ideas together he's just being odd and weird about keeping (laughs) it to himself and he has a high opinion of himself i think the nightshade is starting to well when i say that what was the line about i'm plenty hot yeah I think it's starting to go to his head. <laughs> well, I think it's just that he was, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to lose any of his man factor, <laughs> I guess. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he just doesn't want to appear weak. Or... Well, remember the last episode, Snow joked with him, did David Nolan let himself go? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he, in his defense, First of all, it hasn't been that long, I don't think. And really, they've got kind of a lot to worry about. And right now, there's nothing they can do about it. So maybe it's good for the rescuing of Henry to not talk about it yet. Right. Well, I just don't like how he's going about it. He's not saying things like, I mean, it's just how prideful he is with Hook right now. I mean, Hook Hook genuinely cares about him. He cares about his family. If, if, if um, Charming would just you know, be a little more humble about it and say, no, I don't think now's a good time because they've got a lot in their minds and they couldn't do anything about it anyway. If he would just say it like that, I would be okay with it. (laughs) But no, he's like, I'm plenty hot. (laughs) So it's upsetting me. I think what Herc said might be a slight clue of where Charming's help might come from. Alas, help and reality are most often worlds apart. Worlds apart. Now, he's just making... A general sp- statement to say, I really think you have no hope. But I do wonder if maybe in one of the other worlds, whether it be Enchanted Forest or Storybrook, is where 
David can get the help and be saved. And maybe that's one of the last things that we'll get to see is they'll get to another world, whatever other world that is. And that's when David will get his help. Another thing for why that bothers me so much is he isn't even telling his wife. That bugs me. Well, he doesn't you tell your wife her. everything. Guys, tell your wives everything. <laughs> wives need to know. Inside the cave, there were a lot of interesting things. And we'll have some <laughs> pictures uh, of the inside of the cave in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 115. There were uh, ships and palm trees, sea turtle, spiderweb, tree, a crown, belt, or some kind of corral, a uh, bucket or a barrel. The Darling family was in there. Uh, the Darling family home, something that looked like a clock tower. Uh, some kind of magic-looking wand or a, a baton or something like that. Uh, a spindle was on there, some cups, a booted leg. <laughs> it's just this random leg with a boot on it. And a couple other things that Hook pointed out, a potted bean plant. I don't know how he knew that was bean plant. And a swirling vortex, in Hook's words. And it was a vortex with these hands reaching into it oh well you know what that is that's this is what happened when my father abandoned me yeah but it has more than just their hands it looks like four or five hands reaching into this swirling vortex interesting so it it could be something that maybe bay saw maybe not maybe i like how emma as soon as the cave was lit up was like neil lived here like you okay the scrawlings just look like neil or what's up with that well they did spend quite a lot of time together and they loved each other and yeah you know it would have she could have recognized how he drew yeah, yeah. then she style. said i didn't know he liked drawing oh and then hook says he got it from his mother maybe it smelled like neil <laughs> <laughs> but that leads me to my crackpot theory I now know. that we know mila liked to draw maybe we knew that before we did we did uh, I, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but Pan... No, I'm not, because it was in Enchanted Forest. Pan talked about Mila. How did he know oh, about yeah. Mila? Maybe, and this is, this is way crackpot. You thought the last one was? Maybe somehow Mila was involved in his getting the drawing of Henry. I don't know how or why. Maybe <laughs> she had some kind of seer ability or ended up with it i don't know that seems a little far afield but i still want to know how pan knew about mila if he hadn't seen rumple since he was a child well pan knew about emma breaking the curse he knew about some other things i can't remember now what but But at that point in history he didn't have the lost boys yet which means hook had not gone to neverland yet and He'd only just met Bay, presumably. Well, it's also possible the apple was just a kind of joke that he knew the family history with the apple. Oh. And that's why he chose it. And so I'm wondering if he's able to just see from Neverland into the other world, because it seems like he's knowing hmm. all this stuff that's going on. Or it could be, yeah, his lost boys are being spies for him, just going back and forth between worlds. Maybe his shadow's being a spy. Maybe he is connected to his shadow. Yeah. Yeah, if it is his shadow. Hmm. Interesting. But what was his shadow doing before it was bringing people to Neverland? Just, maybe it was just sightseeing? Yeah, maybe. 
Go see the world. Neverland's boring. Go <laughs> get me news. <laughs> With the star navigation thing inside of Bay's cave, that brings up what Hook said that he taught Bay how to navigate. And that did actually happen. We just didn't see it in an episode because that was a deleted scene. Time Spacer points out in the Bay's Cave thread on the forum, a bunch of us have discussed how the star map in Bay's Cave reminded us of the deleted scene from the beginning of The Miller's Daughter in season two, which showed Neil and Henry discussing celestial navigation as they sailed the Jolly Roger from Manhattan to Storybrooke. So I'm sorry, I, I misrepresented that. It was Neil was communicating about the celestial navigation and probably something that he learned from Hook doing mm-hmm. that whole class about port and starboard, which was written on the wall as well in the cave, the whole port and starboard and the symbol. Mm-hmm. So with Pan ha- now having Henry and trying to just kind of befriend Henry, convince Henry. Gain his trust. Do you think that Pan actually did play something from the flute? The first time? Or the no. pipe? Yeah. No. Well, yeah, actually, I do. He was genuinely surprised Henry couldn't hear it yet. What happened to the pipe he used when he was the Pied Piper? Cup broken. What if that was the only one that was enchanted? Psh, it's Peter Pan. He can get another one. <laughs> <laughs> we got this great feedback from Holly saying, I had a couple thoughts after listening to your initial reactions. In regards to Henry hearing the music from the pan flute, I was under the impression that Peter Pan was manipulating Henry the entire time. I don't think he actually played any music the first time, so that when he played the second time, Henry obviously heard it and therefore allowed himself to listen and to perhaps start to trust Peter. I think think there was an effect that they added to the sound of the flute playing. That I I think it has to be like the flute was enchanted and, yeah. and it worked. Yeah, and the visual effects. But I come back to that spot when when Pan air quotes played it for Henry and the way Pan said interesting. The the way he said it almost made it sound like he wanted Henry to think that he should be hearing it. I mean more mi- mi- I can't <laughs> say the word. More like a manipulative way. Oh, I, I don't know. know. Like Holly had just suggested. I'm wanting to think that it was genuine, and Pan was. That became like a, a game to him to get Henry to hear the flute. Like somehow get Henry to believe that he is lost and lonely, and neglected. Because isn't isn't that a good description of who can hear the flute. Yeah. Yeah. People who feel lost, not who are lost, but people who feel lost, feel unloved. So yeah. the first time I thought it was people who are unloved, but people who feel unloved. Yeah, it was feel. And that's what it seems Henry might be feeling toward the end, but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Hmm. I think that the, the uh, Another thing that indicates that Pan can maybe travel between worlds is that he knew the prophecy. Who, that he knew that prophecy was really interesting. And he, 
and Rumpel admitted that prophecy as well to Bay. And let's go back to the episode Manhattan, which was the 14th episode in the second season. And here is the seer's actual prophecy. You will be reunited with your son. And it will come in a most unexpected way. How? A boy. A young boy will lead you to him. But beware, Rumpelstiltskin. For that boy is more than he appears. He will lead you to what you seek. But there will be a price. The boy will be your undoing. I wonder what he seeks. Well, he's seeking Neil at that point, his son, Bay, because this was after he had lost Bay, chronologically. So he was asking about how he could find his son. And... A common theory is that maybe Peter Pan is actually the boy. But I think that we already know, and everybody already knows, that there's more to Peter Pan than than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. Or or that Peter Pan is showing all of this magical power and everything. And so I, I don't think it's really Peter Pan. Yeah, he's a boy, but he's not a young boy like Henry is. So I really think that this continues to be that the prophecy is definitely about Henry. It's just that interpretation of undoing and what that means to Rumpel. Hmm. I think that, well, let me ask you guys this. Do you think that Neil will ever trust Rumpel again? I think, I think he wants to, and I think he's open to it, but it, I think he's, well, he's shown that he's open to it, but I think he—I think Rumpelstiltskin is ruining it. I think one day he'll just run out of chances with Neil. I can't really decide if Neil was even justified in his reaction in this episode. I mean, when he—and by the way, thank you for just— letting Rumpel and Neil run into each other early in the episode instead of saving it for next week or the end of the episode or something like that. So that was cool. But he runs into him and he knows for a fact that Rumpel didn't even think he was real. He didn't think he was talking to any other person. And what he was saying is, I'm going to save Henry. So he knows what Rumpel's heart is apparently currently like maybe he was right not to trust him if he's going to just go back and forth all the time but as far as he knows he he has sort of the best proof that Rumpel's telling the truth because Rumpel said it when he thought he was talking to nobody so why he knows go off the deep end divide and be conquered it was he knows ridiculous. his dad's nature yeah his dad's nature is not to be brave or selfless or true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what Neil basically brought up. What happens if we get back and you're reunited with Belle and you realize that the only thing standing between you and your happy ending is my son? And suddenly, undoing doesn't sound so great. Well, I mean, yeah, good point. But still, at least in the moment, I feel like maybe Neil grew up stupid. <laughs> 
may have grown up, Belfire, but it would appear you have grown up stupid. <laughs> Something about the magic of the squid ink really amused me. I I wrote in my notes, that was really nice of the squid ink not to coat the face with binding magic. <laughs> so that the person who was bound could still... You know, talk. <laughs> yeah, we saw that in the episode The Price of Magic, the first yeah. time that was used on Rumpelstiltskin. He could still What speak. a lovely quill! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was the quill, not the squid ink, but <clears throat> I'm okay now. Well, now now they're just reinforcing it. Squid ink, squid ink, squid ink does this. No quills. Squid <laughs> ink. Oh, whatever. On the issue of trust... Isabel wrote in saying, uh, suggesting three things, which might, one of these three things might have to happen. She says, no, Neil's never going to trust Rumpelstiltskin unless he gives Neil the dagger, loses his magic, or actually sacrifices or tries to sacrifice himself, either through dying or so that everyone else can leave the island except him, or, bonus number four, some combination thereof. My guess is we'll see one of these things happen by the end of the 11th episode arc. I have to agree with all of those. I think <laughs> one of those has to happen. One or all. Yeah. The the shadow having the dagger thing is certainly a great excuse. It's like my dog ate my homework. Mm-hmm. I know. My yeah. shadow took my dagger. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the group in the cave... Emma came out and I think really is opening up a lot more and more to Snow as Emma is being faced with her past and confronting these issues that have come up and with especially revolving or surrounding Neil. Yes, Neil just died, but I lost him years ago. All that time thinking that he didn't love me only to find out that he did and it was too late. I can't even tell him how angry that makes me. Or how much it hurt when he left. Or how terrified I was when he came back. Because I knew the moment I saw him. I never... I never stopped loving him. Great acting on Jennifer Morrison's part. And you see her struggling with her loss. And think about the character of Snow as well, hearing this from her daughter, mm-hmm. who is her same age, and it then makes perfect sense why Snow is also having a hard time, mm-hmm. because this is her daughter, but she has absolutely no clue how to counsel or encourage her daughter. That, I think, would be really hard. Yeah, I feel for Snow. Right. <laughs> Mothers, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you pretty much have that feeling anyway, even if you were with your children through their whole lives? No, not necessarily. You don't think so? Like Snow said, that's the first thing you learn how to do. I mean, when your kids get older, you might be stomped every once in a while, I imagine, because I'm not a mom yet. But um, no, I think moms are pretty intuitive when it comes to their kids. At least my mom was. Yeah, because it's it's building on a foundation of helping them recover from little hurts. Mm -hmm. It's a lifetime of helping them recover from hurts. And Snow missed out. Yeah. So she didn't know the first thing about comforting Emma. Yeah. So, And we've never seen this really happen before. 
like this. I bet it feels an awful lot like trying to comfort a friend and just standing there being at a loss. Emma comforted Snow mm-hmm. once because there was the time when uh, Snow, or as Mary Margaret was discouraged, when they were still cursed and Mary Margaret learned this stuff about David and Emma just came and sat on the bed next to Mary Margaret and that kind of comforting and encouraging. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't worked the other way around quite yet. No. And I think that by the end of this season, we'll see that relationship build and strengthen a lot more because they're opening up a lot. They're sharing deep personal feelings with each other. And especially Emma feel, um, putting those feelings out there with Snow and Charming and really letting them hear some of this and help her somewhat as parents. I wonder how Charming was feeling having both, both like female members of his family just breaking down simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not so, just one after the other. Like, I always wonder what men feel whenever there's like an abundance of emotional women around them <laughs> and add on top of that that charming believes he's going to die yeah that's kind of that's heavy yeah really heavy really i did have a thought of something that might save charming other than we've been thinking about pixie dust or pan or henry rumple these different ideas of what might save charming but what if we look at bringing in something older such as the candle that's what saved Rumpelstiltskin. Candle. Because candle? remember, Hook... Okay, let's back up. That candle? You're suggesting they use a dark magic? Could be. What? Rumpelstiltskin was harmed in New York by the poison on Hook's hook. And that poison was a concentrated <laughs> dose of the, the nightshade. Yes. So, or dreamshade. So, Charming now has not as potent... Of a bit of it. Yes. But I wonder if that's what they'll have to use because that's what they use to save Rumpel because he was so badly hurt. I don't know what they're going to use, but they have to use something because Charming can't Mm -hmm. die. As much as he annoys me sometimes, he cannot die. Here's what I think should happen. I think Charming and Snow should have a touching moment and kiss and there should be like a rainbow flash from David's side (laughs) and he's going to be like, that worked? I would have done that two days ago if I had known that. <laughs> or they need to find Rapunzel and she needs to sing the incantation song. The what? The, the healing incantation. <laughs> Rainbow and stuff. <laughs> the problem here with the tr- um, true love's kiss thing <laughs> is that I think that is only limited, well, it is limited to magic, not to poisons. Yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Charming I'm not has, serious. he has a poison. Not serious. <laughs> it was a quip. What if squidding saves him? Just dabble it on there. That's a good point, though, that it's not technically magic. I don't know. I feel like the whole place is magic. But... Maybe you would take uh, mermaid magic. When Bay and Peter Pan were together and talking, Pan made it sound like he let Bay go. What do you think? Did Bay actually escape or did Pan let him go? I think he let him go because I think I don't I think Peter has the gift of foresight. I mean he's showing signs of having that gift. And 
it just makes me think that Peter somehow knew that if he let if he let um Balefire go, then he would get his heart of the truest believer because the heart of the truest believer would belong to his son, so we needed to let him go, let him find love. <laughs> At just the right moment, too. Yeah. Yep. So I think that Pan did allow him off the island. Check out this theory from Sydney. She says, I have a big theory that I really wanted to share with you. My theory is that that Peter Pan has been the mastermind behind everything that has happened so far. And I think his whole goal was to get Rumpelstiltskin to Neverland, probably because of something that happened between them when they were children. The whole reason he was looking for Henry all of these years was not because he wanted the heart of the truest believer, but because he needed to lure Rumpel there, and the shadow could only take children. I also think that he pulled a Cora and disguised himself as the seer that Rumpelstiltskin saw in the episode Manhattan. What? No. She, he, whichever way we're going with this, foretold that Rumpel's actions on the battlefield would leave his child fatherless, and maybe the whole Pied Piper thing was just an attempt to ensure that and make undoing prophecy seem more likely to Rumpel. This would explain how he knew about said prophecy, because he was the one who made it. He knew, this is Pan, knew that if he put it in his head to try to kill Henry, nobody would trust him once he got to Neverland, leaving him much more vulnerable. I think that's really interesting theory, because we asked about that before. How in the world did Pan know what Henry looked like? And how did he have that drawing? How did he know who who he needed to get in order to get the heart of the truest believer. So yeah. What if he is a seer or the was the seer? Hmm. Sydney added a PS here. If we get Rumpel's father's story and they don't call the episode, all the best cowboys have daddy issues. They they're doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sydney for that theory. Great idea. Great theory. But I'd rather not see any kind of character be the mastermind behind everything because we've kind of we have already had that season one was about that where Rumpelstiltskin was the mastermind behind everything of season one in the second season Cora was kind of the mastermind of certain small things but I don't want to see this this Russian doll sort of thing of this person thinks they're the mastermind, but there's really someone else over them that's the mastermind, and then there's someone else over them that's the mastermind, someone else over them. We've like already that. had enough of that. Yes. Regina, Cora, exactly. and Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. They were own little doll or whatever. What, what, what kind of doll was it, did you say? <laughs> Russian doll. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that little... Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Do you think that maybe Henry could be the one to possibly save his grandfather's? No, and I'll tell you why. He wakes up slower than every person <laughs> on that island. All the lost boys were present while he was still asleep and slumped over somebody's shoulder. Maybe he, he was slower. just really sleepy. That's not really why. That could have been Pan's doing. <laughs> well, sure. We'll we'll go with that. So could he save both his grandfathers, did you say? Yeah, Rumpelstiltskin and Charming. Sure. Oh, I <laughs> forgot that Charming was his grandfather. And that's what Slurpees 108 basically suggested, is that maybe Henry, being the savior of magic, can also save magic people, basically. And that maybe 
he having the heart of the truest believer is powerful enough to save even what looks like it could be deadly poison that mag- that Henry might have magic to save that. Henry could find the dagger. That could be, for some reason, all that's available to David at a moment when David thinks that Rumpel is going to kill Henry, and then David could kill Rumpel with the dagger and become the Dark One. Oh, dear. It'd be ridiculous, but it could happen. <laughs> but good advice comes in from Belle. He was so determined to die for the boy, but now... Having something to live for has brought back that nasty habit of self-preservation, hasn't it? Rumpel, habits can be broken, can't they? She's basically saying, die, Rumpel. Just die. Like I said you would, just die. She's basically saying, audience, we really don't like certain character developments to be permanent. Here's why. Here's our justification. We're going to go back and forth on Rumple. Never know whether he's going to kill his family or not. <laughs> and we're going to call it a nasty habit. Well, you know, you got to knock the habits. <laughs> Smoking. Bad, other bad habits. Murdering children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, last thing, I think major thing here to talk about is Peter Pan brainwashing henry maybe brainwashing henry let's let's look at this from two different ways one of the ideas here comes from uh holly saying uh, or who had said earlier that maybe peter pan was manipulating henry and first being silent and then later playing the pipe so that henry would think oh i do hear it now i i do fit in now there's that idea another idea is what if Peter? What if Henry is outsmarting Peter Pan? This came in from Julia saying, I believe Henry can outsmart Peter Pan. <laughs> While sometimes it is easy to overlook Henry, we must remember the story started with him stealing a credit card and secretly finding Emma. We're not looking at an ignorant kid here. He's smart. We see Henry stirring when he is captured or recaptured. I believe he was awake deciding what to do. I believe Henry will take down Peter Pan and the Lost Boys from the inside, just like he took matters into his own hands by eating the apple turnover to get Emma to believe. So, three perspectives, and there might be more too, but three perspectives here. Either Peter Pan is manipulating, and Henry's falling for it. Henry might be outsmarting Peter Pan. Uh Uh-uh. Or what I think seems is what they're showing us is that Henry is truly falling into Peter Pan's magic. I think Henry's falling into the magic. It would be very, very anticlimactic to go through the next several episodes at least and have Henry appear to be coming more and more under Peter Pan's control, have everyone show up to rescue him, and then have him go, just kidding, Pan, I'm going with them. I'm (laughs) going to help them rescue me. (laughs) I've been smarter than anyone has ever thought this entire time my very special heart has given me a power over your power <laughs> henry is very transparent yeah he i is. don't see a lot of deception in him he just blurts everything at everyone all the time and i think that he genuinely i think it's all face value with him there's something very 
truest believer about that anyway. Yeah. Remember the time he, he uh, compared or actually contrasted Emma to a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much says everything. He's pretty blunt and honest and genuine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you, Jeremy. I <laughs> think he's not faking. Why would he fake? Because, well, maybe he might fake if he did know that Neil was there. But if he doesn't, let's assume that he was completely asleep during that time and he didn't actually hear anything or he's not accepting what he thinks were dreams as truth. Then he doesn't know that Rumpelstiltskin, Neil, or any of the other Neverland Five are there on the island. Right. So he's all alone because he was conveniently asleep and replaced by his rump through the whole <laughs> entire <laughs> half of the episode. <laughs> they kept awkwardly avoiding him on Neil's shoulder. It was rather funny. <laughs> but anyway, that was in my head. So he's now hypnotized in some way. And I wonder where this is going to go with... What will happen when someone comes back to the camp? And will it be another repeat of like the Pied Piper story where Emma will ask Henry, do you want to come or do you want to stay? But this time Henry will say, I want to stay. Whereas Bay once would have actually, I mean, yes, stay in Neverland, essentially go with Peter Pan. Bay would have said, no, Papa, I'm going to stay with you. But maybe Henry will be the reverse and say, no, Mom, I'm going to stay with Peter Pan. That would be a dumb choice. Seeing the whole coconut star thing makes me think that they're going to actually have to fly out because that seems to be the only traditional way out of Neverland. And I don't know if Peter Pan can control that portal or not. We don't know yet, but I'm wanting to think that that's how they'll get out. They'll need to fly out somehow. Maybe they can catch the nearest shadow. (laughs) It's kind of like the front door to Neverland Mm -hmm. that no one can actually go through, though, because no one can fly. Yeah. You need pixie dust to be able to fly. You do need pixie dust or you need to grab the ankle of a shadow, apparently. Yeah, or however it was that Neil managed to get out. Do you think Peter Pan knew Bay was coming back when he came back? Or do you think he just somehow was connected to his shadow and his shadow saw that Bay was, or Neil was tagging along? So, Well, Felix was there waiting for Neil at exactly the spot where Neil dropped off. Yeah. So I think, and Peter Pan had sent Felix to go welcome Neil. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I'm wanting to think that they're, they're they are connected to their shadows still. Can't really explain the Greg thing, but I'm wanting to think that they're connected to their shadows. Hmm. Well, Rumple isn't connected with his shadow. Yeah, and he had to speak to his shadow. Uh, I don't know. I he had think, to speak to his shadow, but does his shadow have to speak to him? Because the shadow, the shadows can't speak. How how do can shadows communicate with their owners? Morse code, <laughs> but we, flags. Remember that <laughs> Pan is also in tune with every grain of sand on the island. Yeah, that's true. So 
maybe as soon as someone enters Neverland in not just this island, but in that world, he knows it. He knows they're there. Kind of like in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, there's the glowing heart necklace that lets Alice know that Cyrus is actually near. Nod to our Once Upon a Time in Wonderland podcast over at wonderlandpodcast.com. Seriously, check it out. It's great. It's a good show. Hey, thank you so much to some people who have left new reviews for us in iTunes. O-U-A-T Louver, Jogproof, Rufus Escapera, Escaperia, I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing that, and Jay Hilfo for leaving new reviews for us in iTunes. We We really appreciate the reviews. They encourage us and they help other people find the podcast as well. If you haven't left a review yet, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and leave an honest review for us there. And we'd really appreciate it. And you can also get our Wonderland podcast at wonderlandpodcast.com slash iTunes. This is now the conclusion of our discussion of nasty habits. You can respond to some of the stuff that we brought up in this episode by commenting on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 115 or join our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums to continue discussing this and all of the episodes of Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland with many other fans over there in the community. And we'd really love to have you part of the community. This Sunday is a new episode of Once Upon a Time, and we'll have our chat room going during the Eastern and Central Time viewing of the episode. And 15 minutes after, so at 9.15 Eastern Time, will be our live initial reactions. We'd love to have you as part of that. It's always fun to chat with other people while we're watching the episode, and that's at oncepodcast.com slash live. And you can join us on Wednesday nights when we do our full discussions at 8 p.m. Eastern time over at oncepodcast.com slash live as well. Please remember the podcast awards, oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards, to vote for your favorite podcasts in there, And we're still waiting to see which podcasts made it into the awards as the finalists that will be open for the voting. But if ours makes it in or if any of our network's podcasts make it into the awards, we'll have that information and news for you at oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. Please send us your feedback after you watch the next episode of Once Upon a Time. Always, if you email, send it to feedback at oncepodcast.com and put in the subject line the title of that episode. And you'll hear more about what's coming in the next episodes in our spoilers bit from Hunter after the end of this podcast when the music finishes. Then you'll get to hear some spoilers from Hunter if you'd like. But please also follow us on Twitter at Once Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and you can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at Twitter.com slash Jenny'sNook. And remember... Poison sticks equal death. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.
Big thanks to those who donated to sponsor this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, we'd really appreciate it. Please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Once Podcast. Season 3, Episode 5, Good Form, is directed by John Emerald and written by Christine Boylan and David T. Thompson. The ABC official press release states... With the deadly dream shade cursing through David's body and close to death, Hook takes him on one last journey to find a sextant that could help them decipher a map that would lead them off Neverland. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Killian Jones, aka Hook, and his brother, Captain Liam, sail off under orders of the king to find a powerful indigenous plant on an uncharted land that could heal any injury. Guest starring in this episode are Skylar Gizondo as Devin, Bernard Curry as Liam, and Jordan Shartner as Sailor. If you saw the promo for this episode, then I'm sure you saw the kiss featuring the Captain Swan ship. Well, Jennifer Morrison shares, I kind of knew at some point it was coming. I knew from all the way back when they brought both Michael Raymond James and Colin O'Donohue on that it was always the intention to create some sort of love triangle with the two of them and Emma, having a very legitimate pull between these two men. In casting news, Marilyn Manson will be joining the show. Rolling Stone broke the news of Manson's casting, which will be a voice-only performance, with the rock star playing the voice of Shadow. Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz tell Rolling Stones, We've always been enormous fans of Marilyn Manson, we wanted to cast someone with the vocal ability to make our skin crawl. Also on the casting front, British actor Stephen Lord has been cast as the Dark One's father. You will first see him on the November 17th episode. For all you Robin Hood fans, don't think you've seen the last of him now that Neil is in Neverland. Edward Kitsis says that we will be seeing a lot of him in the second half of the season. Megan Ori has been a bit busy filming her new show, but they plan to have her back for the final 11 episodes of Season 3. She is definitely part of the show, and she will hopefully be back for the later half of the season, Eddie says. Now what about our other favorite people still in Storybrooke? Well, David Anders, a.k.a. Dr. Whale, wrote, In three days' time, I'll be back up in Vancouver pretending with my Once Upon a Time chums again. Episode 309 must need medical attention. Lastly, I have a new episode title to announce. Episode 9 is titled Save Henry. Well, Oncers, that's all I have for you today. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time! I have a thing that I need to make oh, for okay. all our fans. I'll give you that video tonight. Tonight. Um, <laughs> it was creepy. I was actually going to start doing a different song until I realized you were doing that song, so I just joined you. Oh, you should have sang the one you were going to do. It would have been quite as creepy, but it would have been cool. <laughs> that was. That was recorded. <laughs>